following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of road trips. And um, my family, what we do, like one of our hobbies is road trips. And it, it all started, Debbie and I got married, and the very first thing we did, we literally left the church, we changed clothes, and we went on a road trip. I mean, that's just what we did. And so, and so people would say, are you sure it's good for like newlyweds to go on a road trip? Because, you know, people get grouchy on road trips. You get tired, you haven't had enough coffee, or you need to take a bathroom break, and, you know, which, are, you, are we there yet? You know, all that stuff happens, right? And so, and so we went on a road trip, and, and we established this long tradition in our family of going road trips. So our kids were like little babies, and people were like, you can't travel with children. Oh, yes, you can. You just throw them in there, strap them in the car seat, and go. And then when they cry, you just keep driving. And that's what I did. And so, and so this, is what, this is what we do. And so we, we do these road trips, and, the, and every year we try to do something. And, and this year we got to have a really fun one out west. It was great. But the thing about a road trip is kind of interesting because you start to become concerned with time. Are we making good time? And see, I'm, that's kind of like my personal like, sport in the road trip. I'm going to make good time. You know, it's like, you know, I'm just like all those guys in the movies, you know, they're like, you know, the car is falling apart, but we're making good time, you know? And so we just keep going, right? And our children develop bladders of steel, and it's just, it's so cool. And, and so all of this stuff happens on a road trip. And, but what's interesting about a road trip is you do think about time, and you start to wonder, like the old, like we joked, are we there yet? And and where this metaphor can go for us is in our lives, we start to wonder, Lord, are we there yet? You know, and you're like, maybe, you know, maybe I have adequate facilities, but I'm still yearning, right? You know, and it's like, what, when is it all going to end, right? And isn't it interesting that when we think about the end of the world and, and everybody's like grouchy with me because they're like, isn't it Christmas time? Can't we just talk about Christmas? Guys, we're talking about Christmas. And Jesus himself said today, be ready. Like he, he gave me orders. I'm under king's orders to talk about the end times. Right? And so and we need to see that, that in this whole discussion of time and waiting and everything, that every few years someone will pop up and say, I know when it's happening. I mean, what was it? Just a few years ago, 2012. Some of you guys remember, remember Harold Camping. He announced to the world that he knew when Jesus was coming back. And, you, and we were talking about in Bible study, you can even go to his website, because I did, because I was like, didn't you read that part where Jesus said nobody knows? Not even him? And, he, and he, like, you go to the website, and they have an article right on the homepage. You know, here's how we get around this, basically, is what they were saying, and then they basically just said, because we delete that passage of the Bible. And so this is the problem. People do. They deceive us. They, they alarm us. They make us worry that we've missed something. Or they'll say, you need to be ready so you don't get left behind when this scripture is saying something very different. And this is what we're going to dive into today. Um, and don't worry, we'll pull over if somebody needs to go to the bathroom, so don't worry. So for Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, we're going to put these on the screen, we're going to zoom in, and we're going to, we're going to highlight a couple of words because Jesus said, no one knows the, that day or hour. So the minute anybody says to you, Jesus is coming back on this day or on this year or after these certain events. It has to be all these certain events. Just immediately just chuck it out the window. False teaching. Get out of here, right? Nobody knows about the day or the hour. And later we're going to see it's going to be when you don't expect it. He specifically says that. So why would we spend time trying to figure it out? Well, because we want to know are we there yet, 
right? It's just like on the road trip. It's like, man, you know, I, like we'd be driving along and, and my, like everyone in the car is asleep. And I'm like, you know, I have the cruise set on a speed that might get me in a little bit of trouble. And so, and so I'm trying to back it off, but I'm like, so I'm like, honey, honey, I need you to look at the GPS. I need to see how many miles we're at. She's like, I'm sleeping, right? Leave me alone. And, and this is what we do. But we want to know. We have this urge. Is it, am I 100 miles out? Am I 200 miles out? Is it like way out there? Are we three days out? Or in our lifetimes, you know, is Jesus coming back in a couple of years? A couple thousand years? You know, when is it? And all we know is that what he'll say throughout the, throughout the rest of the Bible is it's soon. And then on the internet, they always put a little TM after that trademark, right? Soon. Hashtag soon. But nobody knows that day or the hour. And you've got to understand that there's this passage right there that says, not even the sun, okay? Nor the sun. And this, if you're, if you're into church history, which I know most of you aren't, so I won't spend more than 10 seconds here, but this is called the filioque. It literally caused the biggest church split in the history of the world. Um, that phrase, nor the sun, because people thought that meant that Jesus wasn't divine. You know, if you put that, you know, they were trying to pull that out of the Bible, that phrase, nor the sun. And then there were people who put it back in, and then there was, all of a sudden, you had the Eastern Church and the Western Church. Okay, my 10 seconds are up. But the point of bringing that up is to say this, well, does that mean that Jesus isn't God because he doesn't know everything? Of course not. Of course not. It's his submission to the Father, as he has done so many times. He submits to the Father on our behalf. He has chosen to not know the time. And why has he done that? Because he, is, he became one of us. He became one of us so that he could lead us out of darkness into the great light, into the wonderful light. Right? As, as Isaiah prophesied. And, and he has brought us out. And so he himself became like us. He became sin. So he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. This is gospel. That's why, the, that's why people got so fired up about it. It's like it, it doesn't take away from the divinity of Christ. It adds to it. it. Well, it doesn't add because it's scripture. He's the one who said it. Not even the Son, only the Father. Right? Who cares whether it was in there or not? The point is Jesus said it. Okay? And, and this means so much to us because it means that he is one of us. And he has chosen to not even know that day or hour. Take a look at verse 44. So, this is, you know, what's the now what? Okay? We don't know when it is. What should we do about it? He says, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And this is the thing, guys. we got to ask the question, what does be ready mean? And most of us operate with a different Christmas song when we think of be ready, right? We're talking about the fat guy in the red suit, right? That's what we're talking about. And, and, so, and so what people say is you need to be ready. You need to be good for goodness sake, right? This is what people think. They think that this means you better be good because if Jesus comes back and he finds you being bad... Bad news for you. I mean, so then I, what I do is I start running the numbers because I'm a bit of a geek, I'm a bit of a tech guy, and I load up my spreadsheet with all the percentage of the amount of time that I'm sinning in my life. And I'm thinking there's a pretty good chance that he's going to come back when I'm sinning since I sin 99% of the time. And I bet I'm not the only one. If I am, you guys, you know, help me out. But the point is this. If it means that I, being ready means I have to be sin-free, then I'm going to go to hell. That's what it means. And most people, when they hear a fire and brimstone message on the end times, that's what they hear, is they hear, 
well, it, gives the, it just gives us no hope. It takes our hope and it smashes it. Because if it's up to me, I can't be ready. And why would Jesus undo all of the previous 24 chapters of Matthew right here and right now? And, and what is he's about to do in the next two chapters when he goes to the cross? So be ready is not about being good. Although, when we are ready, he'll take care of the good part, right? So um, this is the part where your handout, and, and for those of you watching online, it's going to be on your Bible study notes that are available. But you got it, you got it. I want you to pull this out and take a look at this because there are four things that we're encouraged to be ready by, okay? There are four things, and these are right in the Bible. And I have to tell you that Ted Martin and Gary Dorland and Jeff Mitten helped me write this, and they didn't even know it. Because we were getting together and we were talking about what is the vision and mission of our church and what are, what are some of the words that we use in this. And these are the words that started kind of coming together. You know? And it was so funny because that happened on one day. And then on Thursday, I was going in and doing my final study to put in all the Dig Deeper notes. And, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, those words fit exactly these four scriptures. <laughs> and it's like, right there it is. How do we be ready? We gather. That's what we're here for, Right? Do you know, guys, when we gather in this place or whatever place, it doesn't matter, whether it's a church building or a basilica or a cathedral, I would love it if we could worship in a cathedral. Those are so cool. But whatever it was, it doesn't matter, okay? And wherever we're at when we gather, this is something that's so important to see. When we gather, it's heaven on earth. The old guys called it the divine service, right? It's heaven on earth. Now you're like, okay, well, how many people needs to be there? Jesus said two or three. So wait, so you're telling me that if I get together with a fellow Christian and we're, and we're drinking coffee together and all of a sudden one of us starts, you know, like sharing and encouraging and, and, and helping one another and the, and the gospel starts to get involved and the Holy Spirit's working, that that's heaven on earth? No, actually, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Two or three gathered. Jesus said that. Where two or three are gathered, I am there with them. Wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. This is the word of God for you and for me. So we gather. Gather is the first point. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we saw this several weeks ago because we went through the whole book of Hebrews together here at Praise and Worship. We saw this, and he said, don't, don't, don't stop getting together. Keep getting together because this is what you're doing. And he does it in the context of the temple. Who is the temple? All y'all, right? That's why we're, we're, we're initiating this plan because we, it, we'll see what the Lord does, but it looks like we're going to build a place to worship. And we're going to, you know how that you go to the barber shop? Some of the barber shops have these little cups in them, and it's the profanity jar. Have you ever seen those? So if somebody cusses, they've got to put a dollar in the, in the jar, right? So I'm going to say if somebody calls the, build, the new building the church, they've got to put a dollar in there. Or I'm, I thought we could do an option where I just add a minute to my sermon, whichever you think is the better way to go. You pick. But, but the idea is, is don't call it a church. This is the church, right? We said this before. We're going to say it again maybe a million times. And then everybody's like, be like, are we there yet? Right? That's what we're going to do. And we're just going to push the hammer and we're going to go on the road trip together, celebrating, gathering together as the people of God, celebrating heaven on earth. You know, we're so crazy as Christians, Christ followers, that we actually believe that the heavenly host, the army of God is with us right now because that's what it says in the Bible. I mean, that's what it says. And so, and, and so the, you know, the king of the universe, the one who spoke and the universe leapt into existence would be with us. That's his promise. So we gather. What does be ready mean? We gather. Do we have to gather every day? Or do we have to gather? If I miss church once a month, am I going to go to hell? Oh, heavens. 
I hope you see this is about the heart. And we gather, we seek him, and we go through seasons where we're not gathering as often, and sometimes we gather more often. Who cares? We gather. And if you are apart from, from, from the Lord and you need to come back, then everyone's welcome. This is this idea of the prodigal son. Everyone comes back. It doesn't matter how many times. It matters that we gather. He calls us to gather. The second thing is this idea of grow. Also from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He made our faith. He gave us our faith. He grows us in our faith. Faith is not like a quantity thing. It's not like, you know, how I... So I mentioned we were on a road trip, and I would be like, I want, we need to get coffee. Have you guys ever had gas station coffee? This is a category in our family. Gas station of coffee, gas station coffee is two things. First of all, it's like the pond water from the bottom of the pond, and then you put it in a blast furnace, right? And it's like almost steam. It's just before it turns to steam. It's still liquid. And you drink it, and it burns your gullet as it goes down, and it tastes so bad, right? But you drink it because you're on a road trip, and you you need coffee and you're, you're going to crash the car. And so, and so then you think, I need more, right? I need more coffee, right? That's generally a, a functioning theology for most Americans, more coffee. That's what we need. And so whether you drink coffee or not, it's not the point. Some people think we need more faith, right? No, God gave you your faith. But it is like a tree, we hope, planted by the river, Psalm 1, that grows and it bears fruit in season and out of season, right? Because we grow, we grow in God's word. We fix our eyes upon Jesus. Because when we look out at the world, when we look in at our own hearts, wherever we're looking, we see yucky stuff. Everywhere we look, we see yucky stuff. And the only time we have joy is when we look at Jesus. Because then, all of a sudden, we see a man who paid for all of our debts who took them away from us, and he then exchanged, the ultimate gift exchange, he took our sin upon himself, and he gave us his righteousness. My Uncle Marty called it the glorious exchange, or the ultimate exchange. It's the ultimate gift. And this gift to you and to me changes everything. So we fix our eyes upon Jesus, and we look and we see, when we see the ickiness, we look and we see God's love on display at the cross, and his promise of the future on display at the empty tomb. When we see the tomb, when Jesus walked out, that was the first day of the new creation. The ancient church, the old, you know, when I say ancient church, I'm talking like right around the time of Jesus, they began calling it the eighth day of creation, the day the new creation started, when Jesus walked out of the tomb. And he was the firstborn from among the dead. You and I will raise, be raised from the dead just as he was. Just as he was. This is the message of Scripture. And to encourage. And see, this is interesting. We were talking about encouragement. And what does that look like? And this is this, you know, I want you to go back to your Sunday school, vacation Bible school time. You learn that song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to put it under a bushel. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. And it sounds so silly and simple. And oh, it's so powerful. It is all surpassing power. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Yeah, it's in jars of clay. It's in these earthen vessels. But it's all surpassing power. This little light of mine. Your little light. If you let it shine, it changes the world. It brings about the restoration of all things now. 
It's joy day. We can jump. We can do it, right? I, told, I warned some people. I said, you know, it might get a little Pentecostal in here. Just warning you, right? This is what happens. And, and, and I only say that out of a joke because I've got good friends who are Pentecostal, and they'd be like, let's go, right? Let's do it. But this is the thing we're talking about. So we encourage. And it's, and it's this idea that we don't just sit around and look at the Christianity like it's an escape plan, right? And I hope that you don't do that because, because if you think that Christianity is about me and you getting to go to heaven, then you haven't read the Bible. Let me say that again. If you think that following Jesus is about us going to heaven, we're not done working. We've got to grow some more. Because, guys, the Bible is about bringing heaven down here. It's about bringing it with you when you go to work. It is about taking heaven into the most dark, terrible places that you have to go in this world. You know, you go into, I've been into hospital rooms where there's a body that's about to die. And you know what? It's a pretty good place to have heaven there. So yes, when a person dies in Christ, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, he says, hey, <laughs> to live is Christ, to die is gain. So dying in that sense, I get to go be with Jesus, praise be to his name. But that's about the only place in the entire New Testament that talks about dying and going to heaven. That's it. The other 99%, 99.9% is about what we do now. It's about what Jesus is talking about now. We were talking earlier, you know, about you know, trying to make good time. You know, are we making good time? And I don't know, and I'm looking at my clock, and I'm like, no, I'm not making good time. But anyway, are we making good time? And so the idea is you look at, you look at life and you're like, Sometimes time becomes this thing that we actually try to like hold on to. And so and so have you guys ever have you ever guys ever felt this? And I think as Americans, sometimes we feel really busy. Anybody here busy? Happens to be the month of December. I'm guessing I'm not the only one who feels a little spread thin. Right? And so you spit yeah, finals week, right? So you know, you're just like, you know, uh, say, you know, hell on earth, right? We need to bring heaven there. And so this is what you do. And so and so you're in this, this situation where you're feeling that time, you don't have enough time. You need more time. You spend your time and you're out of time, right? And this is how we feel. And so in the encouragement that we receive from Christ, it's this idea like, you know, we were talking earlier, nobody's ever late. Nobody's ever early. You're always right on time. And this is not just me trying to get out of being late because I, I get late sometimes. But... This is the truth of the scriptures. It's in God's time. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Just be ready. So we grow. We gather, I should say. We grow and we encourage. And the last part from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been bringing this up, is, is to share. We take these gifts that we're given. How many of you guys are going to give gifts on Christmas? You're going to hand out some gifts. Isn't it the funnest thing? I mean, there's the old cliche, it's better to give than to receive, right? We love that, right? But you're going to give a gift and you're going to give it. Like, so, you know, <laughs> so uh, I, one, one of these kids that I'm friends with, she brought up to me and she gave me a candle. And it was just a delightful candle. But I'm not much of a candle guy. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I like, you know, these, these are pretty good candles. But I mean, you know, just for personal use. I'm not into aromatherapy. Maybe I should get into it. I don't know, but I, I haven't yet. And so she gave me candles. I was like, a nice candle, right? I was like, honey, would you like a candle? You know, and that's kind of how that worked because she's into candles and I'm not. And so it was a great gift and it was a beautiful gift and the heart was very important that was behind that gift. But what if we gave the gift of heaven? 
Hear me when I say that. What if we gave the gift of the new creation? What if we gave the gift? We can also give candles and argyle socks and all those things. That's fine. But what if we also gave the light of the world? What if we did that? This is what sharing is all about. And we're not, we don't mean stand on the street corner and preach it from the top of your lungs. If that's your calling, fine. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about live your life. Be the you, you that we talked about a few weeks ago. The you that God made, the one that you always ought to have been. That's who you are in Christ. Be you and participate with him in his mission. All of that is to say that we be ready um, can we go back to Matthew 24, 44? I'm not, I done, we're not done yet, right? So this is the idea is to be ready, okay? And, and ready is this idea of, of trusting in Jesus, focusing on Jesus. And when you're in trouble, look at Jesus. And the rest of the time, participating with him, being with him. Why? Because he's going to come out an hour when you do not expect him. And so if you're sitting there thinking, That one person that's, you know, you've been sort of like, I should probably go hang out with them. Make the time, you know. That's not, a, that's not like a law thing. I'm not saying, go share the gospel or you're going to die. That's not what we're saying. But if you're struggling with how to manage your time and that's one of the things that's on the list, go ahead and move that one up to the top. Just prioritize. Triage that a little bit. Bump it up. Because Jesus could come back tonight. And we're not, there's no guilt here. He's the one who knows the time. He's the one who has the plan. All I'm saying is let's not procrastinate the kingdom of God, if you hear me right, right. I procrastinate better than anybody in this room, I promise you. And if you don't believe me, I'll tell you about it tomorrow. Now we'll take a look at Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Now, this is the joy we have in hope. It's all through Jesus. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now, guys... You know, I'm, I'm a Mr. Romans guy, and if you ever like, want to have a, a spontaneous Bible study on Romans, just call me. We'll, we'll do it right now. Um, but the thing about it is, is when he says stand there, this is like a really big deal. He's, he's, ask, he's encouraging you to go back and read you know, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5, which we're in chapter 5, so we're already reading it, but you know what I'm saying. And it's this idea of standing in grace. You and I stand in grace. I want to say that one more time so that you'll take it with you today. You stand in grace. So that when the devil comes to you and says, all this grow and gathering and sharing and all the encouragement, I saw what you did. I already know what you, you're a piece of junk. Nope, I stand in grace. How do I know that? Because Scripture has proclaimed it to me. And this wacky joy guy, Mark, wouldn't stop talking about it. And I bet you could find a lot of other preachers and teachers throughout the world who will keep telling you. This is what is going on. This is where we stand. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, guys, that glory of God is a word we've got to just take a minute on because a lot of people think that glory means like fame, right? And admittedly, you know, I'm a big fan of certain football players or, you know, musicians or whatever. And when they and certainly they get in the spotlight, they get all the fame, you know, they, you know, I don't have 200 million followers on my Twitter account like they do. That's fame, right? That, there's no doubt about that. And I don't want that, by the way. But the idea here is, the point is to say, that's not what we're talking about in the glory of God. This is the kavod Yahweh from the Old Testament. This is the glory of the Lord, which would fill the temple. It was like almost a character in the story. And 
we, we, you know, it was just this, it's the presence of God, which is a bizarre and mysterious thing for us to consider. What I hope that you see when you see this is that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because the Holy Spirit, which before you had to go to the temple to even get close, and then the women couldn't go much closer. They had their own separate thing. And if you were a Gentile, if you weren't a child of Abraham, you couldn't even go in. And if you were a child of Abraham, you had to be a priest, and then your priest had to do all these sacrifices and rituals just to get close, and then only one of the priests could go in one day a year to actually get to be in the, in the presence of the glory of God. And sometimes it would kill it. And that is what dwells in your body. Everybody's like, no, Mark's totally lost it. I didn't say it. He did. Take a look at Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. Why is it so important to say that? Because we have joy, not happiness. I told you, I'm going to be happy on Christmas. We're going to get to have cool new toys. Yay! But, you know, the toys, they break. They wear out. I got, I, you know, I should tell you about the time years ago when I built my last computer. Oh, so cool. Why, why, why do I need a new one? Because we need joy, not happiness. Look what he says. We rejoice in our sufferings. This isn't about possessions. This is about real life, the gut level life. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Um, no church puts this on their church sign. And I think everyone should. Because this is the message of the Bible for you and me. Because we all leave here and we suffer. This is what we do. I know we always love to come on Sunday morning. Everybody says, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm fine," you know. And I and I loved some of you guys would respond with, "It's okay," you know, which is the, kind of the way of saying that's all you could muster at the moment, and you didn't want to like spend 30 minutes telling me. But it, I could tell, I could hear it, right? And then you know, you know, I always say, sometimes I'll say, it, and it sounds like a joke, but I'm like, "May the Lord have mercy," right? And we're all like, "Yeah, that's yeah," but we need it, right? Because we, we are in suffering. And the reason we're in suffering is because we're participating in a broken world. We're broken, they're broken, everybody's broken, and the cycle continues. And we need hope. How does God work in our sufferings? See, and this is the other thing. Is sometimes when we have suffering, we think that that's failure. This doesn't look like that it, this, was the, this was plan B. This was plan A. This was God's plan. So when you look at your life and you're like, this isn't going so well, I must not be in God's will, Go back and read this passage because I would argue to, with you and I can look back at my own life. I'm only 46, but, but I've lived long enough that I can look back and I can look at all of the worst times in my life and some of those were the death of loved ones and things and those, you know, those are all bad. I mean, yeah, I learned in the midst of them, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. Although, like he said in the video earlier, we have to grieve. I'm talking about how the hard times in our life make us stronger. Anybody here who lifts weights knows exactly what this means. And that's exactly what the Scripture is telling for you and for me today. So when we leave here today, um, everybody's like, yeah, I'm suffering because the sermon won't end. But when we leave here today, that perseverance, that perseverance will produce something, right? It will produce character, and then we will have hope that maybe Mark will be shorter next week. All humor aside, let's go out and join Jesus in his mission. Please pray with me. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you give us. And we pray right now that you would take us out of this place carrying joy. Not a good, not a good feeling, not turning the frown upside down, but your joy, the joy that comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
love and joy and peace, and on the list goes. Produce that in us as we fix our eyes upon you. We gather together, we grow in your word, we encourage one another, and then we share the gifts that you have given to us. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.